Welcome to a special edition of At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week during Advent, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church will share in a conversation with members from our very own faith community. Our goal is simple. We want to share encouraging Christ-centered stories of hope, love, joy, and peace. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Episode 13. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're continuing on in our Advent series here right now, having conversations around the key themes of Advent, and uh, we are here talking about joy uh, today. So want to uh, w- send our condolences to Pastor Chris, who's not with us today, but uh, Angie is here with me, and I'm Joel, and then our two guests, we're so glad to have them. They shared with us uh, this past Sunday uh, during our Sunday morning service, Hannah and Brandon Mitchell. Hannah, hello. Hi. 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 Brandon, hello. Hi. Hello. Hey, good to have you guys here. Um, the story of joy uh, that you guys shared was uh, was just a, a powerful one, and what a story you have. And, and I just we owe so much credit to Angie, who is, can I just use the term, uh, you've curated these guests, and uh, they've just really fit into the theme uh, that we've been talking about so well. We continue to see, just be a really meaningful experience to know that there are Stories within our own congregation. There, there are people that are living real lives day to day, and we just we just think we have some really amazing stories to share. So, Angie, why don't you kick off uh, for us uh, the and you guys, however Angie wants to ask it, kind of the recap of the things you shared with us Sunday because we always assume, and I think it's fair that not everybody has heard uh, what you guys shared on Sunday. Kind of reintroduce us to the to the theme of joy, why we're talking about joy, but specifically how it pertains uh, to your guys' story as it's played out over the last few years. Yeah, thanks, Joel. And I think if you um, remember on Sunday, Chris said, and I thought it was really good because we use this word that we often put joy in this idea that it's circumstantial, that what we are um, doing, what we have, what we feel is why we feel joy. But joy is actually not that. And joy, I love the definition, is joy is a feeling of good pleasure and happiness that is dependent on who Jesus is rather than who we are or what is happening around us. And so uh, with that definition, I just really feel like um, Hannah Brandon, we are so glad that you're here with us today because I think you guys take and um, this this is a reality in your lives. And so we backed it up a little bit last um, time we talked on Sunday morning, and we backed it all the way up to the year of 1999. You guys had not met yet. Hannah, you are eight years old in 1999, correct? Yes. Okay. So let's go back. It's July 26, 1999. Kind of what happens, what happens with your family that day, and a little bit um, of background there. Um, well, that was actually the first day of my dad's vacation, so we were actually heading to prairie camp. Um, well, on, on the, it was a beautiful sunny day. Um, but we were heading there, um, when the accident happened, um, and it was two, um, people that had been drinking and driving, they crested over a hill and they, one hit my dad from the front and then again on the side. And, um, so it was a three vehicle accident. Wow. So how many people were in the car with you that day? Um, it would have been my mom and dad and then my sis, two sisters and my brother and I. Okay. And you happened to, um, 
your mom, everybody was um, injured. There was everybody went different places. Kind of give us that background of after this accident happened. And it was right on where a lot of people drive. They can probably even know it's on County Road 9 going into Prairie Camp right before you get to County Road 26 there coming over the hill. Um, Talk to us a little bit about the accident happened and what happened to your family at that point. Um, At that point, my mom was the only one expected to survive. We were all sent to different hospitals. Um, My youngest sister had passed away at the scene. And um, like I said, we were all sent to different hospitals. My mom was able to say goodbye um, at the hospital. And uh, so I was sent to Riley. Haley was sent to Bronson. Um, Joe was sent to Fort Wayne. I think my dad might have been somewhere. I don't remember exactly where in Fort Wayne. And my mom went to Elkhart Hospital. Okay, so you're all. And when we say you were sent there, how long did you guys were separated as a family in the, in the amount of time? Um, I think my parents, it was a few weeks, and then my dad was transferred back to Elkhart. Um, Haley, she um, was in the hospital, I want to say, for about a month, um, month or so, and then she came home, and she lived with my um, grandparents at the time because my parents weren't out of the hospital yet. Um, my brother, he was a little bit, he was shorter than I was, but I don't remember exactly the exact time. Um, but I was in the hospital for a total of like three months. Three months. So I came home on my birthday in oh, October. Oh, you did? Yeah. And you were turning nine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you found out during that hospital stay, after you had been in a coma for about three three weeks, you said, they put you kind of in a, um, a coma to allow your brain and your body to heal. Yes. Um, when did you find out that you were paralyzed? I don't, I, I don't remember. I am sure that it was told to me but early on, but I don't remember all the details. I remember just waking up and I kind of felt like I knew like, Hope wasn't here anymore, and I knew that I was paralyzed, but I didn't know, obviously, what that all meant. Um, and my first day when I was at Riley, that was a lot of just kind of like healing and trying to get myself better and then, you know, doing rehabilitation and just kind of knowing, not knowing, like, what that was even going to mean. Um, and I did rehabilitation here in Elkhart area. So you were able to be at home and close yeah. to home and with your family at that time. Yeah. And there's I've I've heard this said by both of you guys there's a lot of support in your in your life during this time from the yeah. church. Am I correct? Yeah, the church body really just gathered around us at the time um, because obviously we we're all in different places, and um, I, I think each one of the kids, like they, each one of us, each had someone with us all the time, someone that we knew. So if my parents couldn't be there, there was someone with us all the time. Oh, at the hospital. At the hospital, at anywhere. Home. Yeah, home. Um, I mean, obviously, once we were all home and like we were able to, my parents were able to help take care of us. Then. Um, yeah, but I mean, but before then, there was always someone with us. Wow. And so you've really felt the love of the body of Christ yeah. and how it was supporting. So you yeah. you you learn how to be independent at a pretty long, young age. Am I right? Is yeah. that Brandon, is that one of her um, big traits is to be independent? It is. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to suggest you telling the story about Ed on the way over. You talked about him, about the impact. Yeah, and that that's one of the people. It's um it's amazing he called me today. Um but he's another one that God had brought into my life at the time. Like he was living in um Huntington area. His wife was receiving chemo treatments um close to Riley Children's Hospital, but his somehow our churches got connected and so he heard about our family and it was crazy cuz he visited me every single time his wife was coming for chemo treatments and I remember I told Brandon the first time he showed up, I was like, who is this like older guy that's coming to visit me? Like, I didn't know who he was. And, um, but he just prayed for me and I, um, he called me and he's like, you know, I just want to tell you how important you were to me during that time too. He's like, because you told me that you don't have to love me. 
Um, but you know, saying that to isolate to him, like, you don't have to love me. You don't have to be here, but thank you. Um, mm-hmm. and he's been a friend ever since <laughs> kind of so, a friend and mentor and yeah. you guys have helped each other through really hard times. If he's yeah. going through that too, yeah. and that's neat. Yeah. God just puts so, people in your life. At yeah. But I mean, that's, time. that's been so many times that that's happened that again, I, if I wouldn't have gone through these things, I wouldn't have had those people in my life. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So you grow, um, up, go to school independently, graduate from Concord high school. Yeah. Right. Yay. Concord. Yeah. And Brandon, you went to Concord as well. That's correct. Right. Yep. So tell us a little bit about how you guys met in um, that situation. We had met um, actually at my parents' house. Um, it was a family like kind of get together. Um, he was hanging out with a family friend that we had. And then he quickly became friends with my dad. And then um, I think that was kind of his way into the family. <laughs> and then uh, we started yes. dating and... Um, I used my resources. That's yeah. right. Way to, yeah. way to go. Smart yeah. yeah. So you guys now, and you guys went to the same church at that time too? Yep. Okay. Yep. So the church is involved and in, throughout this um, whole kind of growing up, supporting you, your yep. family and the change and all of that. So then you guys, what year did you guys get married? 2012. 2012. Okay. So then you get married and you kind of go on another journey. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Um, well, so this would have been what, 2013. That's correct. Uh, That's, that was one of the kind of the bigger things that we had. So we had only been married for a little over a year. Um, we had went to one of your employer, like, um, outings ball game and Mm -hmm. I ended up, yeah, I ended up breaking my leg. Um, and, and so I had surgery and the craziest thing, like I remember waking up, I told Brandon, I said, something just doesn't feel right. Like I can't feel my arms. And I said, usually after like a few hours, like, you know, you kind of start waking up. Um, and that next day, like I talked to the doctor, I talked to Brandon, I'm like in a panic. I'm like, I can't feel my arms and I can't use my arms. And again, I remember kind of going back to that moment, like, okay, why is this happening? Like, I just, things are going well. And I'm like, how can I put all that on Brandon to take care of me? Like now I'm, I could be a quadriplegic. Like, how does that even happen? And, um, but thankfully, like, you know, again, with family support, friends support, um, with the church and things like that, I feel like they kind of rallied around us when you say, yeah, 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 they did. Uh, Um, and thankfully I was able to get my feeling back and my movement, my arms, but that was very difficult. That was a good, what, couple of months. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent about a week or two in the hospital Mm -hmm. trying to figure out everything. Yeah. Trying to figure just from a broken leg. Yeah, I broke my leg, and I don't know, from surgery, I woke up, and I couldn't feel my arms. Mm-hmm. And so that lasted, but I think in total, I was in therapy at that time, too, so we're just trying to get, like, regain anything that I had back, mm-hmm. um, which thankfully. You know, and I hear that, like, just to put myself, like, if I were to put myself in that situation, mm-hmm. like, terror sort of, like, comes to my mind of, because we've all had that, I don't know if any of us have had that experience where, um, where you, <laughs> where you wake up, but you're like not fully awake. And like, I've experienced that where you like, you don't all your limbs are not working immediately or whatever. And I just know like of my own experience, like the feeling of, again, you're half conscious and you're not like really with it, but just the feeling of like, Oh gosh, it, it is. It's a terrifying feeling. It's a helpless, a helpless sort of feeling. Um, wh- like what's, what are the conversations between the two of you in that in that experience because I mean you like there's a concern there about how the two of you are going to like really be interacting with each other and what the future is going to hold as far as her mobility and ability to move 
What what does it look like between the two of you at that at that time, especially as you're searching for answers and it's kind of the unknown? I mean, fear is obviously something that takes hold. Hmm. But at the end of the day, I mean, I she knows this about me as I stood in front of the church and the congregation and I said that it would be for better or worse. So, I mean, if that's the worst part, then we'll get through it together. I mean, and yeah, we talked about what was going to change. I mean, yeah, we had to deal with the wheelchair, you know, I mean, she dealt with it longer than I had, but I mean, we made adjustments to our house where we needed to. And if we have to make more adjustments because you are losing the ability to move your arms, then we'll get through it. I mean, it's, and I, I was told that I uh, should have left and that, and I said, no, I'm going to stick around to the hospital because I thought I was going to take a break and all that. And I said, no, I'm going to stay the night and I'm going to see it through. Well, and I think my first response, because I hate depending on other people. Um, and so I think that also helped us grow in our marriage at that time too. But my first, I think my first reaction was anger. Like, how is this happening? Like, this isn't fair to Brandon. And then, you know, him telling me that, you know, we're in this together. And I think that really helped. And I said, I think it grew our marriage stronger at that time. Mm-hmm. Cause you're only a year in at that point. Yeah. And I, I want to kind of um, reference this movie you brought up on Sunday because it kind of went with the story really well. And, um, if you're a Bruce Almighty fan, um, kind of talk us a little bit about how this view of God in this situation right now, not only in your previous situation with the accident and um, kind of immobilizing you and putting you in a wheelchair, and, and then this comes on. How? What's your view of God during all of this? Um, well, I related very well with the scene in Bruce, My- Bruce Almighty um, where he's talking with God and he's just very angry. He's like, you know, God could change my life in five minutes if he wanted to. And instead, like he's this kid on it with a magnifying glass and I'm the aunt. He's torturing me pretty much is kind of what he's saying. And, um, there's been multiple times that was probably one of them. Like, seriously, like I I just don't understand. And, you know, I was very, there's been multiple times where I was just very angry, like crying to God. But then I realized I'm like, he knows my heart. He knows where I'm at. He, he already knows. So telling him isn't, it's not like it's going to hurt his feelings. He's strong. He can take it. And he gently reminds me that he's got this, you know? Yeah. Um, when you say he reminds you, he reminds you, I hear through people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some other ways? I know you have some verses that kind of stuck out to you during the times of your struggles. Um, a lot of it is having faith and trust. Um, um, uh, the big one, I think that, and I think this came later on, but in John 9 where he was talking about, you know, the man that was blind and the disciples had asked Jesus, like, was it him or his father who had sinned? And he said, it isn't that either of them sinned. It was because I want to live through him and I want to show my, my great, you know, things that I can do living with his life. And then realizing that, okay, God's God's got my, my what a plan my plan is going to be for my life. And he knows like what my story is going to look like and he's writing it. And, um, I think that was really important at that time just to hear that. And like, I'm not in trouble or I'm not, he's not disciplining me. You know what I mean? Cause I did something like, um, like what is he trying to teach me or what, you know, what is he trying to show my life through to, to other people? Yeah. And I think there's this, uh, this sense of, cause, cause what I hear from you specifically is really this this idea that our, our lives are not our own really. Like we, we live, we, it's easy to live in the, hmm, 
the illusion that we we own and control our own our own lives, and yet I mean, your key example here, and I think many of us have had the experience where we have either a close call or something where we realize like I'm actually not in control of much of anything. There, there, here you've got you know your life was forever changed by two individuals you had zero control over who made their own who made their own decisions and took decisions away from from you like and that in of itself is a i think a hard enough thing to emotionally and mentally process through and i'm 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 curious about how how one does that because i like we've talked is it's been kind of actually a theme in the rest of our conversations where there are clear opportunities Number one for like bitterness and resentment to just to to creep in, and yet that is not the story that you guys share. So something happened there significantly, because so there's that. And then the second part is is that coming to coming to the realization of I can do everything right, or I can, you know, think that I'm conducting my life in the best way possible, and even then. When that happens, and this is, I mean, Christian philosophers have been <laughs> working, working through this for, you know, for eons, but even then in the midst of all that, it just takes a, but a moment and everything changes. Um, I, I do wonder, um, what it's like for you guys to talk about control, like in your own, in your own life. How you, how you how you view that now? Um, I know that I have to be reminded a lot because um, I am very stubborn and I like being control of things and I like having th- certain things in order. Um, my husband and <laughs> is that is that me. would you say that's just your natural that, personality? That's just kind of how I am. Yeah, and so that's also like where if I have to depend on someone, like I just I don't like it. Like mm-hmm. I would rather do things and do as much as I can for myself, and you know. Um, taking care of my daughter. Like I just, I want to be able to do those things on my own. Um, but that's where I think God comes in. He reminds me like you, you don't have control. Like I, you know, and he, I think he just gently reminds me, you know, through people or verses or, um, that my life is his story. It's not mine. And I think that's something I've really had to remind myself a lot lately. That's just beautiful. And I, and you mentioned, um, faith in that, And so I wanted to kind of go to the next trial because I think we all say, well, it's is for better. I love how you say it's for better, for worse, Brandon. (laughs) And you guys chose that to stay together and to walk through these trials together. And so then you have a whole nother experience with infertility and struggle there and you, you want to start a family and then all of a sudden you, you know, you start to seek adoption. You thought you had it ready and laid out for you and the adoption adoption agency goes bankrupt. Yeah. And then tell us a little bit about what happens and how God works. I mean, for just starting with the infertility, I mean, that was devastating in itself. And then, you know, we prayed about it and we've, we were always open to the idea of adoption. Mm -hmm. I think it got advanced quicker than what we thought it was going to. Um, And which was cool. Um, And then, I think for both of us, after the infertility, we tried, we did the three times and it, the procedure and it didn't take. And afterwards we prayed about it. We went with adoption and there was that immense peace that we got. So we were like, this must be, you know, and it just, 
just that overall piece going into it. And um, we researched a couple of adoption agencies, chose one. Um, IAC was the one that we went with. Um, got everything together, got what they basically call, you know, active, which we were actively looking then at that time for a birth mother. And then come January, the doors close. And it's not like they notified us at all. We found out through Facebook and it was just a huge, it was just a huge slam in the face. Um, I remember it pretty vividly coming home and Hannah's in tears. And I'm like, why? And my first emotion after her telling me was anger. And, um, but it was also followed up with, why? Because I thought we we both thought we were going down this path of God. You know, God had laid out for us and everything else. So we didn't know what was going to happen after that. <coughs> and um, we contacted um, just different um, we, we groups tried, and agencies. Yeah, we tried getting hold of other agencies, but, like, they pretty much made it sound like you had to start completely over. And at that point, we had already... We were already, like, we were active. We were ready to go. Um, but they said that it'd be starting from scratch. Yeah. I mean, especially with the home study all over again. So we were faced with that. And then we actually got an interview with the newspaper. And it was more just less just to get our story out. You know, it's like, hey, you know, just be aware. You know, I mean, it's you, you put a lot of heart and soul into it. I mean, they open up everything about you from you know, what blood type you have, what's your favorite movie and everything else. And I mean, we had to go through different parenting classes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then shortly after that, she actually got a message on Facebook, uh, from a potential birth mother. Of course, my initial reaction was like, well, if they read our story, we don't have any money. And is this even real? Mm -hmm. And Hannah being the little bit more, uh, softer heart, (laughs) She was like, we should really pursue this. And uh, Yeah, I when she had sent me a message, she said she was about 17 weeks along. Um, at that point, like, um, I, I immediately go into, like, my uh, CSI. Like, I'm researching her. I'm researching, like, her husband and, like, just kind of seeing. And we actually knew a couple of people. And uh, it was funny. Our first meeting, we're like, hey, we talked to this person. And they talked to this person because they both obviously knew that we knew each other. So it was kind of funny um, that we both had done that to each other. But our first meeting, obviously, it's super awkward because um, you don't know, like, what the goal is in mind. And um, at that point, she hadn't been to any, like, prenatal appointments. She didn't have a doctor. She didn't have anything like that. Um, and we had actually connected her with a doctor that was at our church at the time. And she agreed to, you know, be her doctor and um, deliver faith. And um, so it was really neat. I was able to go to every doctor appointment with her at that time. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we went together and we found out that Faith was a girl. Um, that was a very neat experience because we've obviously never experienced that before. Um, and again, you, I just, I felt like God was in this whole entire story. Um we didn't know, like, are we going to be at the hospital? Are we going to be able to see her born? Like, we didn't know all that was going to look like. And, um, again, the doctor, she had planned all that out. She told them because she's like, she, she had delivered, I don't know how many babies at that hospital. And she's like, they're coming here and she's like, have a room ready, you know, for both of them so they can have their own time. And, um, 
after Faith was born, like I um, got to hold her for mm-hmm. the first hour and um, it was just amazing. <laughs> it was like all that pain in, a, yeah. in one place yeah. came to birth in the word faith, yeah. which I, I just love that name. Perfect. Yeah. I couldn't ask for a better name. That's, that's really beautiful. Now, and I'm, I'm wondering, did you guys, and, and maybe I'm just, this is sort of just a curiosity thing. When, when potential uh, parents, you know, uh, biological parents or birth parents are, are looking at you guys as a, as a couple, like, is your disability, do you, did you ever feel like your disability was like, Oh, yes, I did. Uh, yeah, like part I, of the conversation. Um, she never questioned, like her birth mom never asked me. Um, and she never, like, I think even one time I had kind of mentioned it and I said, you know, I don't want you to like worry that like, you know, and she's like, I, she's like that never even came to my mind. That was something that I thought about all the time was sure. how is someone going to place their baby with us? And like, how is she going to know, like, for sure, like, I'm going to be able to take care of this child and. Um, at that time, again, God bringing people into my life. I, um, we, I had been talking with another mom. She had adopted her daughter, um, and she had been paralyzed for a long time. Um, and asking her, like, okay, what are some tools that you used, or you know, what what made it easier for you to like parent from a wheelchair? And um, she just gave me different things to use. And um, but like that was something. Um, her birth mother never even questioned, but that was something I questioned a lot. Like, what is she going to think of me, you know, taking care of this baby? Um, so. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Like any adoptive parent can have, uh, there can, there could be any number of reasons why uh, maybe it wouldn't be a good fit for adoption or whatever in, in various circumstances. The, the issue is that yours is very visible, like yours is visible and external, right? Yeah. Uh, there could be a lot of people that have no, <laughs> you know, that are not fully equipped and prepared, but uh, you wouldn't know that just by looking at them per se or whatever. And so it's always, that's the, our just general tendency, right? Is that we, the things that are external, whatever that really sticks out to us and it can and implant in our mind. Um, where, whereas things that are, are not so much that way or, you know, are, are just kind of hidden. And so, um, so for, so you, you've got faith now. And faith comes home and, and then, and like, and then what? Cause boy, oh boy, you guys have just jam packed a whole lot of like learning curves and all of that into a, into a, into a, into a short span of time. What, what was that experience like for the two of you? Well, we were sleep deprived by 36 hours when we first came home and we broke one of our things that we said that we'd never do. Yep, yes. I let Faith sleep in bed with me, and I said I would never do that. Um, <laughs> Typical first-time parents. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, don't do that. Um, but, I mean, I felt like things were, I mean, after that, things were going pretty well. I mean, we yeah. were pretty involved with the church at the time, and, um, I mean, obviously the kids' group was growing, and then I felt like I was getting connected with other moms, and that was, you know, really nice. And, um then I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. Well, and it, that kind of brings you in a way to here in your friendship and how this had kind of transferred to Wakarus in Indiana because you're both Elkhart natives, just like um, grown up there, lived there, gone to church there. 
And then you have this friend that you've been really good friends with for a lot of years that invites you to come to another mom's group, right, that she's involved with. Yep. She um, invited me to come to Mott's. And um, that would have been last year in 2020. Um, And I just, I knew that I really needed that. Um, I was busy being a full-time mom. I mean, obviously working and you were working, Brandon. And um, I just, I knew that I needed that kind of time for myself. And um, she had invited me and um, we were talking about like the armor of God. And I felt like that really prepared us for that like next chapter that was going to start happening. Yeah. So we get to 2020, we have, um, well, we know all our lives kind of shut down a little bit, but during this time, you guys have another kind of trial that you go through and it's actually, you know, physically, um, very draining for you, Hannah. Why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about what happened next? Yeah. So, um, in November of 2020, um, Faith had been sick for a few days and, um, so I just kind of assumed I'm maybe the next person cause she was attached to me for those last couple of days. And, um, I started spiking a fever. I got sick. Um, and I went to urgent care. They said, yeah, you have a urinary tract infection, which, um, is not uncommon for people with disabilities or a spinal cord injury. Um, and so I went to the doctor, we were worried about, there was a spot when we're always kind of checking, make sure there's no sores or things like that. Um, and there was, we were worried about a spot in my hip area And, um, so then I went to my family doctor, we couldn't get into the wound care center until like later that next week. Um, then by what that the end of that week, I had went to urgent care again. Um, my leg, both my legs were swollen. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, the one was probably what I'm not kidding. I say like 10 times the size of my other leg. It was red. It was swollen. Um, and of course going there, I'm hoping that they'll just give me something or like, Hey, it's a broken leg. You can just go home. And, uh, at that point they said, no, you need to go to the emergency room. And when we went there, we found out pretty quickly that, um, I had had cellulitis in my leg, um, that I had an abscess. I had a bone infection. It was just a lot of different things going on at that point. Like they didn't know exactly what was going to happen if it was going to be surgery, which again, if we go back to my surgery I had before we, that was a really scary time and not knowing like what exactly was going to happen after surgery. Um, but, I remember like, uh, Brandon couldn't be with me and, um, which thankfully he could be with me in the ER, but like it, it was just, it was really hard when he had to leave. Um, they had loaded me full of antibiotics. I wasn't feeling well at that point. Like I really hadn't been eating good for that past couple of days. I was hungry. I was just super nauseous. Um, and of course, as soon as you get there, they're like trying to put every like a gown, everything on. And it's just, it's, um, I don't know how else to say it, but you just feel like very naked. And so it was just kind of like exposing, you know what I mean? I don't know how else to say like, it just, it was very, um, it was very hard. And like he left and I just started crying and, um, I just, I started praying and, um, asking God, okay, what does this mean? And cause I didn't have anyone else to turn to at that time. Yeah. You just had him and very alone, isolated. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, all your questions are coming in again, like what's going to happen? What is next? Yeah. And, and God, um, begins to give you peace Mm -hmm. because you said, I I loved in your testimony, you wrote down because you actually said all the trials is really a little bit of spiritual warfare that's going on where Satan's trying to combat you and to get you down. And you, you began to take in what you've learned and what you've kind of um, implemented in your own walk with Jesus to fight that depression, that aloneness. Am I correct? Yeah. Um, I, and again, I feel like 
God brings those people in. Like um, a friend, she had just went through so much that that past year as well, met with medical issues, and she had sent me a playlist of Christian music, and that was so uplifting. And I don't know if I irritated the nurses because they didn't come in very often, but I was just cranking it up like the whole time. But it just um, it remind me that God is with me, and even if Brandon can't be with me, and God's got this. Like I'm, I'm gonna be okay. It doesn't matter what it, the outcome is gonna be, but I'll be okay. Yeah. So you, so leading into the next um, season, you had surgery in January, correct? Yep. Um, they ended up so during that time that we had tried different things and the abscess just wasn't going away. Um, and so they said we need to do surgery, which again I think that was a big fear of ours. We just didn't really know what that meant um, as as far as like waking up after surgery. Um, and so I had surgery in January. They again the wound had to be opened to allow it to heal. Um, and I was feeling great at that time. And then it was like every two weeks um, after yeah. I had been off the medication, I started getting sick again. Like I would spike a fever. I would get the chills. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I, every time we went back to the wound center, we tell them like what's going on. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we'll just, I think at that time they just said, they didn't really seem super concerned about it, if I remember right. No, you're correct. They, they didn't really seem concerned. They said, we'll just kind of give you some more medication to see. They kept adding more medication on. And, um, then it was, that was what in March, I'm trying to think, um, the doctor, we had told her, you know, there's something else going on. Like we need to get it checked. So we had pushed to have an MRI done. And, um, at that time we had shown up for our doctor appointment the next week. And, um, they said the bone infection has spread throughout your whole leg and they had given us options, but they felt like the only viable option was removing the leg. And, um, I, again, I was kind of that place. I, I immediately got angry (laughs) and, um, I, I don't even know, like, I know I was just, thankfully Brayden was there with me because, um, I don't know, I don't know how else I would have reacted. I'd be like, you're kind of like my calming, uh, sometimes like you, you you have it more together sometimes than I do. And, um, but I was just so angry and I'm like, okay, this is serious. Like I know I've, had issues where things have termed sepsis before. And so I know this can get serious. Um, and so that was really scary. Like we have to figure out what exactly we're going to do. I think at that time is, I mean, obviously she was, she was angry. I mean, so was I. And then I remember getting in the car and telling her, I was like, we need a second opinion. I said, that's, if that's their final option, I said to me, that's an extreme if you could back down from losing a limb, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. yeah. And already the situation that you were in and saying is even more obvious of why you didn't want to have a, a leg, a leg um, gone. But at the same time, your heart and your mind and your body, where are you at with God in all this? Is it, or Do you feel like that? magnifying glass in the ant still that, or that day I definitely did because I felt like you know God I'm trusting you and I believe that you're going to take care of me and then all of a sudden it's like oh now they're going to take my leg off like what's going to make me look more weird you know I'm already in a wheelchair right. and, like that was my first thought and I'm like now they're going to take my leg off and um I, it was just it was I really felt like it was just kind of like a door slammed in our face like I just didn't even know how to respond honestly um but again that God brings people in my life that you know um just, I don't know. It was like, because of the, the connections that we have, like, um, we got in contact with other doctors in the area and they said, this is what we would do. And this is our suggestion. Like, um, 
my sister's volleyball team, like one of the ladies there, she was a wound nurse, you know what I mean? And so I had never met her before, but she had known like what was going on. And she said to my mom, like, this is kind of what we think you should do. And so Brie and I talked about it. And at that time, um, then we decided to go to a different hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, those of you guys who are listening, um, I don't know if you know this, but um, Hannah had a Facebook friends to support you during this time. And because of um, your friend here at church. And that's one of the things that how I got to know you is during this time was because I, I followed your story and what your um, what was going on during then and how to support you. And you had so many people come alongside you. And I, when you say this, when you say, well, God brought people in my life, yeah. people showed up, they obeyed yeah. and they helped and they were there to support you. And um, I remember praying this, you know, going to Chicago and praying, is this going to work? Yeah. Is this new doctor going to work? So what happens? You get there and then you find out what? Um, well, we arrived at um, a hospital in Chicago and um, they, I'm trying to think, we were in the ER for what, 17 hours or something? Oh, yes. It was it was a long time. Um, but again, thankfully, Brandon was allowed to stay. Um, and I don't know if it's because we kind of pushed for it. Um but he was able to be there. And so again, we were very thankful. We had the all around supportive care that we needed. I think we met with every team of doctors while we were there. Um, and they had said, no, the, the, um, bone infection has not, is not throughout your whole leg. It's in, so removing the leg wouldn't have done anything anyways. Like, you oh. know, um, they said it's, it's in your hip. Oh. It's not Dodge um, that bullet. <laughs> yeah. And so, cause they were more concerned that maybe we'd have to remove cause from, back from when I broke my leg in 2013, they put a rod in it. And so they said, we don't even know how we would go around that. I'm just going to ask the question because I know someone is going to hear this and is going to want the same thing. How do you break your leg? <laughs> okay. Good. So <laughs> uh, it sounds, uh, this is going to be, I don't know. I, I usually come up with a funny story because this really is not very interesting. Um, so I was actually, when we went to his um, work thing, I was in the bathroom and um, I had these really cute, like cowgirl boots on, by the way, they were super cute. And um, <laughs> Did so I mention that they, they, they were, were cute. super cute, super cute. And no. so I went to go transfer and because I'm in a wheelchair and I, I've been in a wheelchair since I was eight years old, uh, my bones are very small and they're brittle. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went to go take my boot off and I kind of slipped. And so I fell like my whole body kind of fell right on the my femur and that's where all gotcha. of a sudden I heard this crack and I was like what was that like I thought I broke the toilet which honestly which sounds super <laughs> embarrassing um but which is I mean totally it's for, for someone who is wheelchair bound that that experience is way different than the, what the rest of us would be like like what like you hear a broke yeah, break and you're like but, oh but wow. that's that's exactly what you're saying wow. like your so, body comes is so brittle and different yeah on the yeah. um with your legs. And so here you are, you don't lose your leg. You find out everything's in the hip. So you are still a whole person, Yeah, but you're able. And the key here, I was going to say is you've already been on bed rest for how many months at that point? What had been since, cause I think I started in November. That's correct. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. like, I, I yeah. don't think we've said this word. This yeah. isn't just been like, cause you have a, you had a very active life. You were a teacher, you worked at Northridge, you yeah. had a lot of opportunity and you were out and about and you had all this stuff and then you're just on the couch. Yeah. yeah. Which anyone that would know me would tell, tell you like sitting, which I know I sit all the time, but like sitting, like not being able to do anything, it's totally different. Like I'm like, there's only so much TV and different things you can watch. Like I, I go stir crazy. Right. Cause um, you're, you're active. You're doing things. Even, said, yes. Yeah. 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 For those of you listening, 
heavy <laughs> agreement over here across yeah, the room. I, I would much rather be up and doing something than just like laying down or sitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing and nothing. so, so you get to this whole point and they're able to help you and care for you and keep the infection at bay through antibiotics, through a different medication. Am I correct? Yep. They did, um, IV antibiotics six weeks at home. Yep. Um, and so Brandon was in charge of administering the medication. And so that was a whole new learning curve. Like you were doing a lot of the wound changes. Um, adjustment. Yeah. It was, it was like what, every eight hours. Yeah. Wow. Did the IVs. Yeah. Wow. So now they have me on, which honestly, this kind of scared me in the beginning. They had told me that it's going to be lifelong meds because I've had a bone infection before. Um, and they had told me that most likely, um, it would come back. And so they said that these will be lifelong meds that I take forever. Um, and that honestly scared me, but they said it's not any different than diabetic taking medication. And so that I think just something you're more I, prone I just, to get yeah, mm-hmm. yep. because of like any type of, um, foreign, um, thing that can come in and kind of create an infection in your body. Yep. Yeah. That, okay. Great. I mean, and really ultimately the big concern is I mean, if you're having a bone infection that you go full septic, right. And basically yeah. your body is poisoned. I mean, you're. Yeah. You're just filled mm-hmm. with poison over the, the time, right? And then- yeah. And they and they had told me, they said, you know, because I, at, back at the beginning, I was feeling well after they had given me like a shot. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was feeling so much better. And they said that stuff was just kind of keeping it like enough at a distance. But as soon as you're off of it, like it's it's going to come back. And so it kept coming back worse and worse every single time. Um, and again, going to some different hospital, they changed up, you know, exactly the protocol, what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. And just a good reminder, we've heard this other times, being an advocate for yourself and, and I know this for the longest time and we, we have a kid who's had along the way, especially when he was younger, had some specific medical needs. And, you know, it comes to the point where you just realize, man, if I can get in front of the right person that can change, that can change everything. Um, getting the, and, and we, in medicine too, I mean, this is like my little aside, but it's, you know, in medicine, we tend to think, that oh it's all hard science and and basically every doctor is just looking at the same data and you begin to realize there is science and there is an art to it as well there is an interpretive piece to it um, and with all due respect to our medical community but you know there there is a time and a place to say what about the sec what about the additional opinion what what a, what other place might have another resource available to us. Um, and that's what I appreciate about you guys is that there was a, call it what you will stubbornness or whatever, but you know, sticking at other, uh, looking for other, uh, other options and doing that and doing that together. Um, Cause that's what I really see with the two of you is just this sense of like, yep, the, we are going to turn another page on this. We're going to keep on, we're going to keep on going. And uh, that's what we love about these stories. I think, especially to see how God clearly, you know, so clearly walked with you guys uh, through it. Um, so, where are you guys? Where are you guys at today? Like, what? Where, where's your? Where's your joy today? Um, I've realized a lot that, um, again, kind of what we said at the beginning, joy is not a circumstantial thing, um, and uh, I've realized that I, I can kind of play a lot into what my emotions are like. So if I'm suffering from what I'm suffering from, um, or if I'm kind of stuck in that place, um, obviously I'm it's just, it's not a good place. And it's definitely, it's a spiritual warfare. I feel like, you know, when you're going through things like that. And I think I realized too, everyone's going to suffer from something. So how can we prepare ourselves for that time? And, um, I think, uh, just, you know, sometimes kind of preaching to myself, I have to like, you know, give myself those verses or just, you know, 
put different things like, you know, songs or kind of, those are the things I feel like definitely help, um, during the difficult times. Um, but, and then I think, you know, even being on bed rest, that there was a, just being there for other people in ways that I couldn't have been if I was busy with life, you know? I think for me, just looking back at everything, um, you know, from the basically you breaking your leg down to, um, you know, face story, um, even our house that we have and everything else. I think it's just the people that God has put in our lives. And yeah, the circumstances when you, when you look at it, it's like she broke her leg, she almost lost her movement of her arms. But I think beyond that, the, the end story is where I get joyful because of the people that he specifically put in our life to guide us. And also just, I, I think just as little reminders that he's there, you know, like the wound uh, care nurse, she was there, you know, but she was there from the beginning of the wound and it finally came out and played out, you know, in spring, yeah. you know, and just like with faith, you know, I mean, that was all orchestrated by him. I mean, I can't, I can't say it's not because it is, it's a God thing. I mean, I, I mean, and it's like get the door slammed in our face, but all those things lined up to preparing our hearts, but also preparing the gift of her being born to holding her for to the first time and everything else. And I, it's hard, I guess for me not to be joyful hearing those stories, but also knowing the ending. Yeah. And that, yeah. So this is a, another category of conversation, another topic we, I want to dive into our last, our last five minutes here. Um, when it comes to the local church, I mean, these are the questions that we're always asking about how to be sensitive to the needs of people with, with disabilities. Um, and you know, we, we've had as a team here, a conversation, you know, we, we're in a building that is, you know, that we're at, that is ADA was like not a consideration and it's, you know, in, in many, many ways. And we've, we've said, okay, okay. That, that in itself just on the practical level is a challenge is a challenge. But then even broader than that, as the body of Christ, as the, as the church and as a, a church organization specifically, as a local church is looking at caring for families well, where there is a, where there's a physical disability of some, of some sort, what, what advice, what wisdom, what experience would you guys bring to us and to our, our listeners of things to be, to be better aware of, be more sensitive to, um, and and maybe to help us understand how to uh, better interact with with a family like yours or 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 or, or similar, because I know I just all the time I feel like I want to be as helpful as possible, but I want to help in a way that you find helpful versus what I whatever my idea of like projecting help is, you know, like accept my help, you know, kind of thing. What your need is. Yeah. So play that out for us guys. Like you, you've, you've had all kinds, I know you've had all kinds of experiences and I'm, I'm sure one witnessing it, you know, witnessing it from a different perspective as, as the husband and uh, to just unleash your wisdom on us. Tell us, tell us what you've, uh, what you've learned. Um, oh, I was just going to say the chairs in the sanctuary is, is I think for you, you like that mm-hmm. because you're not dealing with a pew mm-hmm. and you know, it's just like, she can feel like part of, part of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, and I think, per, I mean, personally for me, I would rather someone ask me than just kind of try and either do things that I think are going to help. I, you know, I would just rather someone ask. And I think, um, okay, what can we do to help? You know what I mean? Or what can we do to make this easier for you? And I understand like there are certain things that, um, again, with us being older church, I know that you guys have done things mm-hmm. to make it more accommodating and that I appreciate that. Um, and so I think just asking those questions and, um, cause personally, I feel like if I'm going to someone and I'm saying, I'm, I feel like I'm just complaining, you know what I mean? It comes across that way and I don't ever want to come across that way. So I think just asking like, what can we do to support you or what can we do to help, you know, um, either within the church or things like that. And that, um, I, I just think back to like youth group things or, um, again, just people asking like, what can we do to make, you know, whoever, like you know, me or whoever it was, like just feel more involved or, um, you know, just things like that. Mm-hmm. Making sure we're aware of what's happening. And I think even times, um, that you and I've, I've talked with you about it that, Hey, um, I know if Hannah wants to come, I want to be able to do it where Hannah doesn't have to worry about coming. And we've given you an elevator key to make sure you can come in yeah. and out as you want to Mott's and on Thursday mornings. And you don't feel like you have to wait for somebody to help you and, and all those things. And I just want to tell you, Hannah, that we want to support you guys. And at the same time, we're really aware of our weaknesses and and that. But at the But to know that you're cared for. And that you, we don't feel it as a complaint. Sometimes we, we just want to know. Sometimes we're not aware of how to help. Like when we, like when we stack coffee cups too high that, you know, and someone can't, can't reach them or whatever. Like those, like, you know, I see that sort of stuff and I'm like, I'm like, um, okay. Would not have caught that, you know, that was not, you know, uh, and me being six, four, I, I can reach everything. So I don't know. It's like, you know, I, and and, and to try to have those, like, try to have those awarenesses too. So when it comes to, okay, like you come into a church, you come into a church building, any, any church building, whatever, and you need help with something, or you're trying to do something yourself and a volunteer or somebody sees, sees you, what, what is your desire in that, inter- in that interaction? Like, what are you hoping for when someone's like, Oh, do I go help? Do I not? Is, will this be offensive? How do I, you know, how do I interact? Um, again, this could just be personally me. I'd rather not someone just come up and start doing. Mm-hmm. I would rather someone ask gotcha. and say, how yep. can I, can I help? You know yep. what I mean? Or what exactly can I do? Yep. Um, like I know every time you guys moved a, a chair in the sanctuary and that helped a lot. So I'm, I'm in, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and so I don't feel like I'm sitting on the outside. Um, and just, I guess the biggest thing is just asking. I'd rather mm-hmm. someone not just come up and start doing something. Um, and cause I've had that happen, mm-hmm. uh, where people just come up and start doing it. It's okay. I know you were trying to be helpful, but like I, I, I I'm okay. Or like, you know, this is how you can help me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, Hannah, in your, um, as we close here and we, um, kind of finish off your testimony, I loved some of the things you said, and, um, you talked a lot about God as a healer. And how in all your circumstance, you knew that God could heal you, yeah. but he healed your heart yeah. instead. Can you just give us a little bit there to, to kind of go where you're, where you're kind of setting in this, um, like this relationship with God, your father now? Yeah. Cause, um, early on I, 
I mean, I prayed and we, I mean, the church prayed for us, like, you know, asking God to heal us and we know that he can do miracles. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where I was like, um, my faith was in like, God's going to heal me. You know what I mean? That's what he's going to do. And it wasn't until later on that I had met other people with disabilities and at a family camp. And I realized that God didn't heal all those people. And how were, how are they living their life? And, um, at that time I, I quickly realized that God had, he was healing my heart and, um, just realizing that my, my life had a purpose and it was his story for me. And, um, again, him being the, I mean, yes, he didn't heal me, but he's the one that will take care of me and he'll help get me through whatever it is that is going on. Mm Kind of goes back to that original definition of joy, which I want to read again is joy is a feeling of good pleasure and happiness that is dependent on who Jesus is not in who we are or what is happening around us. We have to base this in who God is to us. And I think this has been an overarching theme for almost every podcast. And I think we have to realize that that is a message I think God wants to get to us too, that we have to ground ourselves in him, not in our circumstances, not in our feelings. I mean, this is so often our world feels like sometimes it's going to you know, all fall apart, but God... He's still in control. Yeah, he's still on the throne. He's right where he right where he's always been. And I, the the language of uh, you know the language of abiding, abiding in the Lord, abiding in the Lord. I mean, it it sounds kind of old timey, but if you really, I mean, I think the concept is just is so critical to us as as followers of Jesus. And because if if you are like like Angie said, I mean, if you're really if you're anchored in the unmovable, you know the unmovable God, right? The, the, the God that is, that is the same today as he was yesterday in the, in the future. And that is where, that is where you find your identity. That is where you, where you turn to for hope. Um, though everything can be coming down around you in in so many ways and people can be yelling and screaming, you know, every which direction. But if that's where you're resting, you know, and, uh, that that's where our hope and our joy and our peace is, is from. And, and I, uh, and I will say guys, I, we're just immensely grateful to have you here to be for you to be part of this community. We just think we have some of the greatest people. Uh, when we're, I feel selfish cause it's like we get to have these kind of conversations with, you know, some, some people just, you like, Hey, wave hi in the morning. Hey, how are you doing? Whatever. But to, to have you guys sitting here with us and, and just joining in, uh, it's a treasure. So thank you. And thank you for the witness that you're, Oh, that you're putting out there. Um, people, I, I don't, you know, in today's world, I don't, the perception of Christians, of, of Jesus followers as being either people that are, are trying to fake it that they have it all together, but secretly don't, or, or I don't know, whatever worse versions of that there are. Um, this is the conversation we have to have that it's not, it's not that we've got it all figured out or that's all, it's all been cleaned up nice, but it's that we we trust in a God who is walking with us. Yes, and He walks with us because I know Hannah, I know Brandon. Your story's not done yet. Yeah, yeah. And He's going to be with you in the next step, in the next season, in the next thing. We're excited for it. So, uh, friends, thanks for tuning in to another episode here with us. Uh, we will continue on uh, next week. We're going to be releasing another episode to uh, as we're getting close to the end of our Advent season. It just Angie, it goes quick. You know, you're yeah. like, oh, wow, it's a whole Advent season. And before we know it, uh, we're reaching the end. But uh, don't worry. 
we've got more we've got more coming afterwards as we're uh, trucking on here toward Christmas so thanks for joining us everybody uh, wish you all the best in this Advent season and until next time grace and peace <laughs>